friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. So right now we're going to the second part of our study, and I'd like us to please open our Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, and we will be reading this aloud together at the count of three, but let me just request you to honor God's Word by standing up, and at the count of three, we will all read this together aloud. James 1, 5 to 8, 1, 2, read. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's bow our heads in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You and bless You for this lovely morning, O God. We thank You that we could still worship You in freedom, and we would like to treasure this moment as well as the other moments of freedom that we have in this country to be able to worship You. And Lord, we pray that this will not change. Whatever the situation is, whatever our personal circumstance would be, this would not change. We would continue to worship you with full devotion and adoration. And we come before you this morning and we ask, Lord, speak to your people, O God. Minister to us in a very special way, O God. Address whatever anxieties and worries we have in our hearts, and whatever questions we have in our minds, let them be answered by your word, O God. We ask, O God, for the blessing of your Holy Spirit in our midst, O God. I pray for myself that you might make me your mouthpiece to your people this morning, and even to the people who are listening to us over live stream, O God. We pray that you will bless their hearts as we also pray that you bless our hearts as well. Lord, may your name alone be glorified in our midst, O God, as we study your word. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. This is now part two of our study, the second and last installment of our study, which we have entitled... Right asking equals wisdom. I'd like us to do a little review of part one so that we do not get lost with the details that will follow in part two, which we will be discussing today. We were saying last time around that one of the things that happens when you and I go through a storm is confusion. That's one of the things that happens. Our minds are in confusion. There are many questions running through our minds, 
And at times, we are at a loss in terms of finding or determining answers. Um, what is happening in our world today is quite concerning. Before the Marawi incident, we had a bombing that took place in Manchester that is uh, actually very close to our churches in the United Kingdom. And of course, that has caused a lot of concern with people in England. And just right after that event, they are now once again reeling over a seeming, although this has to be confirmed, a seeming terrorist attack right in the very heart of London. In what is now called as London Bridge, there has been an attack, there have been stabbing incidents, and so it has been in lockdown. The city has been in lockdown right now, and they are trying to investigate what really happened here. I also mentioned to you the fact that our own armed forces of the Philippines have already announced that the presence of ISIS is already in our country. And it is proven by the fact that in Mindanao, certain foreign terrorists have already been killed and coming from different countries, even as far as Chechen. And it seems like the armed forces has underestimated the number of terrorists who are in Marawi. Now they are saying there are still some 200 to 250 remaining armed terrorists. And that is why they were not able to meet their deadline, which was supposed to be Friday. Now, I've been taking a look at some of the posts on the Facebook page, and a lot of people are now confused. And the question why is continually ringing all over the place. People are asking why this senseless killings, why this darkness. And obviously, we are now facing a trial that either directly or indirectly confronts each and every one of us. And whether we like it or not, that is the reality of the world that we are living in. And you might think that maybe I should be going to another country right now, and let me tell you, there is no place in the whole world right now that can be considered as perfectly safe. Paris had its own attack, and we know that England, of course, is reeling from an attack. Germany was attacked previously, and there are other countries right now that are under attack. So if you're thinking about running away and going to another country, I'm not sure that's the correct answer for whatever is going through your mind right now. Regardless of the situation, I'd like to be able to say that we as believers in Christ are blessed. And the reason why we are blessed is because we have been given by God the opportunity to be able to ask Him certain questions. And that is why we are given the resource of God's own wisdom in the midst of all this chaos and disorder taking place. And obviously, we want answers to some of the questions that run through our minds during these dark times. And the passage that we are studying right now is really very timely. 
because it encourages us to ask for wisdom when we are in the eye of a storm, and we are in the eye of a storm. And, you know, I do not want to belittle what is happening and taking place in our country. In fact, what I would like to call you is really a sense of urgency, and I'm hoping and praying that in this coming congregational prayer and fasting, you will be there to join us and pray and intercede for our country. We've been doing this ever since we existed as a church, and we take that rather seriously. And I'm praying to God that you and I would have this, this sense of urgency because I think that we have been lulled into a spirit of complacency and even laziness, I would say, such that we do not have a passion for the things of God. We do not have a passion any longer for the things of God which we should have. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of Christians are in spiritual slumber, and hopefully what is happening all over the world is going to wake us up to something very important in the eyes of God, and which is that this world might know that there is hope, but that hope is found in God alone. Amen? That hope is found in God alone. You cannot find it anywhere else. The only hope for this world is coming from the one and only true living God. And that is why if you are looking for answers somewhere else, I'd like to tell you there are no answers anywhere else in the world. The only answer is found in the name of the Lord. And I'm praying to God that you will take that seriously. You will take that to heart. Because friends, we do not waking up one morning, our freedom being taken from us, and we are being asked whether we are Christians or not. I'm praying that when that time comes, you will not deny the Lord. I'm praying when that time comes, you will stand firm. And that's why, friends, if there's something that we need at this time, it's wisdom. And thank God that wisdom is available for us. As we ask, however, we need to be reminded that we need to ask in the right way because we can ask in the wrong way. So allow me to just do a little review of what we discussed last time around. So I'm going to pull back once again and just give you the two major points which I actually shared to you already, the first point. And so we're taking a look at the first point right now. Verse 5 tells us, that in the midst of the storm, we need to ask God for wisdom. And again, that's what we need at this time. Under that, we have two sub-points. First sub-point would be the dependable character of God. Now, here is our confidence. Our confidence is that when we ask God, He will give to us. And what is our blessed assurance? Our blessed assurance is the dependable character of God. In our study, the title that is given by James to God here 
in verse 5 is that he is the giving God. That's the more literal translators, translation. He is the giving God. In other words, he is a generous God. He is a magnanimous God. He is a God who delights in giving to his people. He is a God who delights in giving us wisdom. He is a God who delights in giving us counsel. He is a God who is more than willing to make us make the right choices in life. And therefore, if there's something that God wants to give to us, He wants to make clear His will to us. That's not something He's going to hide from us. That's not something He's going to be stingy about. He wants to give it to us. But here's the thing. You have to ask. Because if you will not ask, then you will not have the wisdom of God. The Bible is very clear. We receive not because we ask not. So here's the thing. You want wisdom right now? You want your nerves to be calmed right now? You want your worries and anxieties to dissipate? Here's what you do. You ask God for wisdom. All right? And there's no fear in that because God is dependable. Now we're told the second sub-point is the certainty of His answer. We're sure He will answer. We are sure He will give us wisdom. We're sure that He will give us guidance. We're sure that He will tell us what we need to do or how we need to respond and react in this present situation we are in. Now, the second point has to do with asking God in the right way. What's the right way to ask God? We can't just ask God and stop there. The Bible says we need to ask in faith, all right? That's how we ask Him. Because if you don't ask Him in faith, don't expect an answer. That's the lesson we find in verses 6 to 8. And so we also have two sub-points there which are actually in contrast, if you will notice, it is in contrast to the first major point that we discussed. Because in verses 6 to 8, what do we see? The undependable character of man. We are undependable, most especially when you and I are doubting Thomases. If we continually doubt God, doubt His promises, doubt His Word, well, that makes us undependable. In contrast, if you compare that, God is dependable. And friends, let me tell you this. If you are doubting, what's going to happen? Well, you will have the uncertainty of His answer. To be sure, God is gracious. Sometimes we are so flawed in our approach of God, and yet in His goodness, He's still manifests himself to us. He still answers our prayers. Having said that, however, the general principle is don't expect an answer when you don't ask in faith. All right? So we go now to our study. I'd like to go to the second point right now, asking God in faith. So let's go to verse 6 right now. It says, but he, that's referring to us, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. So here's how we should ask 
and this is the right way to ask. When we ask, we need to ask in faith. Now, in this passage, we will see that there is actually a connection between faith and wisdom. All right? So if you want wisdom, it goes side by side together with faith. And that is why faith is very crucial for us. We need to have it. And one who has faith is wise. Let me say this. One who has faith is wise. Can you say that to your neighbor as well? One who has faith, say it out loud. One who has faith is wise. And again, that is the general principle here. Now, here's the thing. We already saw in our previous sermon that it is the will of God for us to ask wisdom in times of trial. So the general principle is if we know the will of God, then asking must be done in faith. Real faith is one wherein there is no doubting. And faith is the essence of our spiritual lives without which we cannot expect to survive this Christian life. And so it is really unessential. If you really think about it, when we talk about how our Christian lives began, how did our Christian lives begin? Our Christian lives began when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior in faith. So how our Christian journey began was through faith. Now, it will never change. As our journey continues on in this Christian faith, we still need to have faith. When we talk about our sanctification process, when we talk about practical Christian living, what it involves is faith. Because we cannot expect to be overcomers. We cannot expect to be victors in life if we don't have faith. So if you do not want to become a victim in life, if you do not want wallowing and worry, anxiety, and depression, you need faith in your life. And friends, that's the only thing. God is the only person that we can hold on to in these dark times. And let me tell you this, this has been prophesied already. The Bible says in, in Timothy that in the last days, difficult times will come. So God is not surprised at all with all of the things that are happening all over the world. I don't know about you if you are surprised. Well, let me tell you this. God is not surprised at all. God is not shocked at all. Well, let me remind you, God is still seated on His throne. Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, we have this assurance that ultimately God is still in control. And in that case, we will always have hope. We will always have hope in this life. Why? Because even when our surroundings and our environment becomes dark, the light of God's glory shines through our lives. And that is why, Christians, you are blessed. Say that to your neighbor, please. You are blessed. Now, in the same manner, 
that as some people would say money makes the world go round in the earthly sense, it is faith that makes the spiritual world go round. And that's talking about you and I as believers in Christ. I like what St. Augustine said. And I like to quote, he said, faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith is to see what we believe. Let me say it again. Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith is to see what we believe. And that's the reason why we need to have faith. That's the reason why we should not doubt. Because if you and I want to see God's glory, if you and I want to receive God's wisdom, if you and I want to receive counsel at this time, you and I need to look to God in faith without doubting. Now, the Greek word here for doubt is the Greek word diakrinomenos, which suggests vacillating. So you're moving and shifting from one position to another, all right? You can't make up your mind. And what the Bible is really trying to say here is we need to have a steadfast mind. We need to have a mind that is focused on God, a mind that has faith and trust in God. I recall what the psalmist said as he was looking up to the hill. He says, where does my help come from? And he answers himself. He says, my help comes from God. And that is true as well in our case. We're asking this question, where will my help come from? Well, my help, our help comes from God. Amen. He is an ever-present help. Amen? In the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our storms, He is an ever-present help. So here's a piece of advice. And I don't even know where this comes from, but such a powerful and wonderful advice. And there's even a play of words. Let me quote this. It goes something like this. Believe your beliefs, and doubt your doubts. Do not make the mistake of doubting your beliefs and believing your doubts. I like that. It's, let's do it again. It says, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Do not make the mistake of doubting your beliefs and believing your doubts. Now, why should we not doubt? Well, the answer is found in verse 6. I'd like to read. It says, For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And so here we go to the first sub-point, which speaks about the undependable character of the doubting man. And here, the comparison is to waves in the sea hit by strong winds or a storm. And it says here he is like a wave of the sea blown. And basically that speaks of the horizontal forward push of water because of the wind. And then it says tossed, which speaks about the vertical uh, tossing of uh, water again by the wind. And if you have ever seen the constant rolling of huge waves, and probably you've experienced that, 
going through inter-island uh, shipping, you know how restless huge waves can become. They're subject to the forces of wind, gravity, and tide. And doubt is like that. It leaves a person as unsettled as the restless waves. And you know what? James was actually familiar with this imagery because in Israel, they have the Mediterranean Sea, and that's open sea. And of course, it can be quite turbulent in that place. And I just recall a funny incident uh, that happened in our city a few years back. Remember, there was this tsunami scare. And actually, it comes out, and this was a joke, of course. I'm not sure if this joke was true. Sometimes when things come out on Facebook, you don't know which is a joke and which is real. But I think the joke was somebody was crying out, calling for Choname. And somebody mistook it for tsunami. I don't know if that's true. And well, anyway, what happened was people started to scamper and flee from the downtown area. They were all running. They headed towards Fuente Osmeña. And I recall the story of one person who took a stool and stood above the stool. How in the world will you be saved from tsunami? But the thing is, it is really doubtful that we would have a tsunami, even with a powerful earthquake taking place, it is doubtful that we would have a tsunami. Why? Because we're not open sea, all right? We are surrounded by islands. So if a tsunami takes place, well, it has to take place, first of all, in other islands before it hits us. So my point simply is this, that in an open sea area, this is the experience of some seamen the turbulence of water. And the imagery here, once again, is, is a person. It speaks of a person who is like that. He is tossed here and there. I'm also reminded of my experience about more than 20 years ago. I was given the opportunity and privilege to, to preach in a boat of all places in the Sea of Galilee. So that was one highlight of that trip, I was able to preach with some believers in a boat which was in Galilee. And here's the thing about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is notorious for having what is called as the eastern wind or what they call as the Eurachilo. And the situation is when there are powerful winds above in the mountains, they can push forward down to the valleys and then move towards the sea, and then what would happen is all of a sudden, immediately, there could be powerful waves hitting some boats. As I mentioned to you, it comes very suddenly. Again, the picture here is of the doubting person. And the question I'd like to ask you right now is, based on this imagery, would you characterize what is going through your mind right now as, as something like that? Are you restless at this time? Is your mind going into many different places? Do you have many questions? 
Are you threatened? Are you intimidated? Are you scared? Are you anxious? Well, friends, that's the reason why you have to ask God. That's the reason why God is telling you, you need to ask wisdom. And God wants that. God delights in that. Remember what I told you last time around about the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. What do you think God is telling us by teaching us that prayer? What it means is the grace of God today which we ask for will only be available for today. Which means by tomorrow, we need another act of grace of God in our lives. What do you think God wants to happen? He wants us praying every single day of our lives. He delights in that. Why? Because He is the giving God. He is the generous God. His hands are full and He wants to give to His people. His hands are full of blessings and wisdom and He wants to give it to His people. But sometimes the hands of God are tied by the fact that sometimes we don't pray and even if we pray, sometimes we pray with so much doubting. And that insults God. Why? Because our God is almighty and all-powerful and our God is a good God. And therefore, when we ask if we want to honor Him, if we want to revere Him, if we want to place Him in the highest portions of our hearts, we need to honor Him with faith. That's the only way we can honor Him. Because when we have faith, we are saying, Lord, a thousand may fall on my side, I still trust You. Even with all the restless evil in the world, even with all the darkness that's happening around me, I still trust you, Lord. And that honors God. When you doubt Him, however, you dishonor Him. You are in your mind thinking, can God really help me? Is it really true that there is nothing difficult with God? Is it, really, is it really true that nothing is impossible with God? That's what doubt is actually telling God. And one who doubts is like the serp moving from belief and unbelief. Your mind is going like, I believe. And then, do I really believe? Oh, I should believe. But do I really believe? You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that sometimes goes through our minds. And it's not right. The Bible is saying, do not doubt. Say to your neighbor, do not doubt. Let me tell you a story. There was a pastor who was requested by a wife to visit her husband. Her husband was in a critical situation. And so she said to the pastor, when the pastor came into the room, Pastor, could you please pray for healing for my husband? I'm sorry, yeah, for my husband, that's right. And so the pastor prayed for the husband, prayed for healing, prayed for grace. And right after that, the wife took the pastor outside the room, closed the door, and said, Pastor, I hope that you can come to the funeral service of my husband. Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that everyone who gets prayed for is going to get healed. But did you notice the contradiction here? 
Did you notice the contradiction with this woman? You're asking for prayers for healing, but you're not believing it. It would have been better for this woman probably to say to her pastor, Pastor, could you please share the message of salvation again to him? So that in case something happens to him, at least he has the assurance of salvation. But you know, this story is much like us. It is much like what is happening in our minds. We can't make up our minds whether to believe or to doubt. And God is telling us, if it's my will, do not doubt. And again, let me just remind you, what's the context here? The context here is asking God for wisdom in the midst of trial. Now again, let me ask you this question, just to bring home my point. Is this the will of God, yes or no? I think you were absent last weekend. <laughs> yes or no? Is it the will of God to ask for wisdom in the midst of a storm, yes or no? Yes, it is the will of God. So it is very clear. Here's the principle. If you're sure, 100%, and God is saying, James is saying, it's the will of God. If it is the will of God, then we must not doubt. If it is the will of God, when you ask in faith, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. Now, some of you are wondering, how does this really pan out in my life? Well, let me just tell you, even as a pastor, there are moments wherein I become anxious. There are moments when I'm searching for answers. There are moments when I don't know what to do. I'm left with several choices to make, and I'm wondering, which path do I take, Lord? And it is during those times that the wisdom of God comes handily to aid me, guide me, encourage me, inspire me. And that is why we need that. Because all of us, whether we like it or not, will go through trials because that is the reality of this present world that we are living in. I recall one particular time when my mind was racing five years down the road, ten years down the road, and it's really interesting how we would like at times to think about certain things five years down the road or ten years down the road. Not that I'm saying that all of that is wrong. Sometimes we do have to plan and sort things out in our minds. But sometimes it could be something that, would, that could weigh us down and pull us down. And so I found my mind racing five years, ten years down the road. And certain anxieties began to creep into my heart. And so I asked God, Lord, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, speak to my heart. And at that moment, God spoke to me and reminded me of Matthew chapter 6. And he told me, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And what a relief that was to me. What a release that was. And so at, you know, I was given the assurance that 10 years down the road, 5 years down the road, God is still going to be there. Amen? He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to forsake us. His wisdom will be there for us. One particular time, I was in a quandary. Lord, what should I do? I was actually looking at 
the several options that I have. And then I came across the book of Proverbs. And interestingly, by the way, the book of Proverbs is, is a book that is full of all wisdom. In fact, wisdom is pictured at times like a woman in the book of Proverbs, calling out to those who are naive, calling out to those who are simple-minded, calling out to those who are innocent, calling out to those who do not know what to do. And wisdom calls, and, and, and it is stated in the book of Proverbs that we need to treasure wisdom more than silver and more than gold. Why? Because wisdom helps us. Wisdom tells us what we need to do. We are guided accordingly. And that's the beauty of the book of Proverbs. And how does it all start? It says the fear of the Lord is what? Is the beginning of wisdom. But let me tell you something. Sometimes we think of the fear of the Lord as those occasional moments wherein we revere God. Just like this morning, when we began to worship God, we think that, well, that's the fear of the Lord. But I'd like you to understand the fear of the Lord there is much, much deeper than occasional moments of revering God. The fear of the Lord there actually speaks of a person who has a relationship with God. That is what it is really talking about. So a person, and here's the thing, that's why I was saying we're blessed. Why? Because we have a relationship with God. Because we are sons and daughters of God. And because we are sons and daughters of God, available to us is the wisdom of God. Why? Because of that relationship that we have with Him. That is why if you want wisdom, and I'm, I'm calling out to those people who still do not have a relationship with God right at this moment, maybe over live stream, maybe you, you came here for the first time, and you're wondering, where do I get wisdom? Well, it starts here. Have a relationship with God. That's how it starts. And you might be wondering, well, how do I have a relationship with God? Again, it starts with faith. And I, I believe I need to segue on this because after all, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. Here's the thing. How do you have a relationship with God? Well, first of all, admit who you are. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit that you can't help yourself. Admit that you cannot save yourself. You have got to humble yourself before the Lord and admit before Him that, that you are helpless and hopeless in your personal situation because you cannot save yourself. The requirement of God for us is perfection. If you're talking about good works, well, if you want to be saved by good works, here's what you need to do. Live a perfect life. Now, who among us here has lived a perfect life? Nobody. In fact, the Bible says this, no one is righteous. No one. No one is righteous. No one can live a perfect life. Now, you have got to humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm an imperfect being, and the only way I can be saved is through you. And how did Christ save us? By dying on the cross and paying the penalty of our sins. Now, why does he have to die? Because justice demands payment. And the payment that God requires is death. But guess what Jesus did? He made you step aside. He took your place. 
He is the one who died on the cross. Now, all you need to do is trust that. Have faith in that, that that will cleanse and wash you from all your sins. Now, that is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you're here for the first time, and those of you are listening over live stream, and you're asking yourself many, many questions, here's how you begin to have wisdom, have a relationship with Christ. So having said that, what this verse, going back to the verse that we are studying, what this verse is trying to tell us, the idea here is that at times we get affected by external circumstances. We're often swayed by what we see or what we feel. What does the Bible have to say about that? As believers in Christ, here is what the Bible calls us to. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Say that with me. Walk by faith and not by sight. You know, sometimes our problem is we are a walking civil war. We are a walking civil war. Sometimes there's war taking place in our minds. A war between faith and doubts. A war between the flesh and the Spirit of God. A war between our agenda and the agenda of God. Our kingdom and the kingdom of God. There's a civil war taking place in our minds. And that is why we've got to really make up our minds. Not to vacillate, but to be firm in our faith towards God. Now, again, notice how undependable a uh, doubting person is. Look at verse 8, please. What does it say here? It says, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, what does double-minded here mean? Actually, literally, it comes from the Greek word dipso, dipso kus, which actually means literally two-souled. Two-souled, all right? Some people are two-souled in the sense that they live in two philosophical worlds. One world is the, the natural and the other world is the supernatural. And sometimes, here's our problem. Of course, in an earthly sense, we can't help but at times respond with what we see or with what we hear or what we touch. That is really expected. But then you need to understand as believers in Christ, we are no longer the same people we used to be. In fact, I really like what Gordon Fee or how Gordon Fee describes those who have come to Christ. Those who have come to Christ are spirit people, which means to say we live in the supernatural because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Our problem sometimes is that we have been given the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our counselor, 
to be our comforter. That is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And that is why the call of the Scriptures is always walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. And yet, how many of us actually do pay attention to the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells inside of us? The Holy Spirit is not there to be a guest that merely sits down and does nothing. No, the Holy Spirit is there to do an active role in sanctifying, purifying, cleansing you, and guiding you every step of the way, providing counsel, providing comfort, generating faith in our hearts. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. And that is why the prayer of Paul is that we might understand the power that is within us. Because sometimes... We live our lives as if there's no Holy Spirit. We live our lives as if there is no God. We live our lives as if the Holy Spirit does not live and dwell inside of us. Let me remind you, we're different. We are different in a very special way. We are different in a very blessed way. We are different in a very privileged way. In fact, the Bible says we are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, it doesn't get any better than that. And yet, it is sad that many believers live as if God is not there. We must learn to live in the supernatural at all times lest we be caught up in the anxieties of the moment. So when that happens, when you live in the supernatural, you will not post on Facebook why. Because you have the answers. Because you understand. Because you understand this world. You understand how it thinks. You understand the sinful nature of man. And you understand more than anything else, what is the answer? If we want this world to change, if we want this country to change, there's really just one answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the answer. That is the only hope of glory that this world needs. And yet... How many people even bring on the discussion table the name of Jesus Christ? God does not want double-mindedness, the kind that vacillates from left to right. Such a person is basically unstable in everything that he does. That is why here in this verse, notice the phrase that was used. He is unstable in all that he does. In other words, he is not only unstable in the area of faith, he is unstable in every aspect of his life. That's why you remove faith from you, you become useless. That's why you cannot live apart from faith. You cannot live as an overcomer apart from faith. If there's something that you and I need to have as believers in Christ, it is to have faith. 
And that is what God requires. The picture here is of a man who is like an unsteady drunk. That is a man who doubts. A man who does not have faith is like a drunk man. He stumbles everywhere. Amen? He stumbles upon himself. That's what happens to people who are drunk. And that's the picture here. If you don't have faith, you're like a drunk man. You're continually falling and failing. And think about this, friends. Why do people sin? Why do people, for example, engage in pornography? Well, people engage in pornography because, because this is the reason. They do not believe that God is all satisfying. Because if you believe that God is all satisfying, you will not turn to pornography. Instead, you will delight yourself in the Lord because He is the one who satisfies your soul. So notice, it all has to do with lack of faith. Why do people run for money? Because you don't believe that God can satisfy you. Why do you run for fame or popularity? Because you do not believe that God can satisfy your soul. You do not believe that God can make your soul content. Every sinful act that we make is a result of lack of faith. And that is why faith is important to God. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And we go to the second point, second sub-point, which is the uncertainty of God's answer when we do not ask in faith. Can we read this together, verse 7? At the count of three, please. One, two, read. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Let's do it again. One, two, read. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's the problem with doubt. When you doubt, don't expect anything from the Lord. In fact, you know what this is saying? If you're going to pray in doubt, you might as well not pray at all. Did you see that? It means that when you pray with doubt, it's really a useless prayer. It's not going to work. It's not going to cut. And that is why, again, God wants us praying in faith. To a certain extent, we are sometimes practical atheists. And as somebody once said, an atheist has no invisible means of support. An atheist has no invisible means of support. But the believer in Christ, though God is invincible, inv invisible rather, he knows that God is almighty and all-powerful and generous, and good, and loving, and majestic. Amen? We run to Him, and we are safe. 
So the bottom line is clear. When confused, which probably is your situation right now, we need to infuse faith in our prayers for understanding. And we can be assured, we can be assured that answers will be supplied in our minds. God might use the scriptures. God might use some impressions. God might speak to us through circumstances. Or God might use fellow believers to counsel us. God can use other people to pray for us. And as a result of that, we're given the opportunity to make the right choices in life. And that's why, friends, how blessed we are. In the midst of these dark times, we can still hold our heads up high. We can still walk with confidence. We can still walk with the blessed assurance in our hearts that our God walks with us, that He will never leave us, and He will never forsake us, and that He will be there for us for every single moment of our lives. Amen? Let's give the Lord a big hand, please. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. I'd like to provide opportunity for those who have not yet accepted Christ. Right now, you might be one among many people who are confused. And you're wondering, where can I find the answer? I mentioned to you a while ago, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fear of the Lord is having a relationship with God. And right now, right at this very moment, if you want that relationship based not on your performance, but based on what Christ did at the cross. All you need to do is trust and believe by faith the saving work of Christ in Calvary. Repent of your sins. Ask God for forgiveness. And ask Him to change you. If you surrender your life to Him, making Him your Lord and Savior, you are assured of eternal life. Your name will be written in the book of life. And let me tell you, that's going to, to be the beginning of wisdom for you. That is going to be the beginning of making wise decisions in your life. And so while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, those who want to surrender their lives to Christ, could you please slip up your right hand just for me to know if I should lead some people in prayer. You want to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Could you please raise up your right hand to the Lord? I will lead you in a prayer of surrender to Jesus. Yes, brother. Amen. Anyone else? who would like to surrender his life. Yes, brother, I see your hand as well. Anyone else? Those who want to accept Jesus. Yes, sister. Amen. Yes, brother. Amen. Anyone else?
I don't want to miss on anyone. Anyone else? Yes, brother, I see your hand at the back. Yes. Amen. Amen for those hands. And for those of you watching over live stream, come before the Lord in prayer. I'd like all of us to please pray at this time. Let's help out our brothers and sisters who are making this wonderful decision to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Everybody, please. Lord Jesus Christ, I ask for forgiveness. Please, everybody, I ask for forgiveness for all my sins. Cleanse and wash me from all unrighteousness. Cover all my sins, past, present, even future. And Jesus, I repent of all my sins, and I make you my personal Lord and Savior. From this time onwards, I am yours. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you that my name is written in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.